What up? How's everybody feeling? Welcome in on this Monday, November 1st, 2021. Jason Ross here with you. Glad you're along for the ride today as uh, we take you home till 4.30. Then it's Monday night football. The Chiefs and the Giants to wrap up this week in the National Football League. Hopefully everybody had a good weekend, a happy Halloween, and now here into November, a little rain today. Uh, But lots of things still going on. We're still at that crossroads of all the sports happening right now at the same time from college football this weekend to the NFL, World Series, NBA, uh, NHL. It's all here. It's all right now. And it's a it's a good time to be alive. And I will see you at the crossroads. Oh, yes. Thank you. What will we do there? Uh, You won't be lonely. Uh, You're right. Good point. There's a fork in the road. What I do? I took it. Is that Yogi Berra? I think said that when there's a fork in the road, fork in the road, take it. Okay. I uh, went to dinner with a friend recently who accidentally took a fork. Home? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she realized it in the parking lot. And what are you supposed to do there? Um, they won't miss it. That's a weird. I mean, you're not trying to steal it. Yeah. I, like I, I if doubt you come, it. if you come back with a fork, it's a little odd. But they would. I don't think it's. They would think it's that weird. I guess it's like thank you. I mean, you weren't trying to steal it. But at that point, what are you doing? Just bringing it home. Well, if it's like wrapped up in your stuff somewhere. If, if I, she like grabbed it with her stuff. Yeah. And didn't realize it. Gotcha. But like, what do you, if someone, if I'm working at a restaurant, someone says like, I accidentally took your fork. What's the catch? Thank you. Re- you can- wow. You're more. Uh, what, you think there's something weird going on? I would think so. I would think it's With like, a fork. Yeah. Okay. I just take it to the back, wash it, and then start anew. Okay. Yeah. Sorry I got us on this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> we took the fork, and you just never know what will happen. Uh, we welcome everybody in here to KHK. Hello to those of you on the YouTube. Thank you for checking us out there. Stay comfy. Stay uh, cozy today. Again, we'll get you to Monday Night Football. Chiefs and Giants tonight uh, right here on Sports 1140. Since we don't have a lot of show, Mondays are always packed. There's so much to get into from the weekend since the last show wasn't here on uh, Friday. So lots to catch up on from the weekend. So let's jump right in with First Things First. Things first. Close, close, close. All right, a mixed bag for the Sacramento Kings over the weekend. They had the win on Friday, and then yesterday the loss in Dallas. Luka Doncic creeping forward. Dallas, the last two possessions, committed the offensive foul. Luka dribbles it off his foot, goes all the way to the backcourt. How's that not a violation? Thompson must have touched it. Luka launches a 33-footer, and he hits it. They were running out of time, and Doncic with a huge three, and it's 95-89, and Mavericks fans are rejoicing. Kings forced into a turnover, breakaway opportunity to the rim. Finney Smith with the power jam. Kings take timeout, and after crawling to within three, Sacramento is suddenly down by eight. Yeah, it was uh, not a good game yesterday by the Sacramento Kings. Didn't play very well. Um, as we always say, how, how do you look at it? Big picture, the Sacramento Kings are 3-3. Three and three. I think the schedule's been pretty difficult. I know coaches have said this line, and I remember Doug used to say this, if you take the season in five-game chunks and the first five, the Kings were 3-2. and two. If you go 3-2 and two in every five-game chunk of an NBA season, you're going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Kings, I don't think we've seen the best version of them um, I think they're the good thing is if you're looking at it in a positive way, they've been in every game. Uh, that's certainly a positive. Even yesterday, I, I don't think they played well at all. They certainly didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, it was an awful, awful afternoon for them shooting. Um, but then how else do you look at it? Dallas didn't have Porzingis. 
Dallas lost Kleba in the game. Uh, I didn't think Dallas was very good. But um, so the Kings are in every game. They're having trouble finishing some of these games. Um, inside of some of the games, their defense has been better. In to- inside some of these games, their defense has let them down. In the end, I'm not going to really be that worried about their offense. I still think that's going to be a strength of the team. They are a top, I think, 11 offense with pace and rating overall. So I think that's still going to end up being a strength. Yet your best player still has not played his best. So there's a lot of different things to pick apart on the Sacramento Kings, and we'll certainly do that uh, in the show and in the next uh, couple of days as well as the Kings get ready for their next game tomorrow uh, to close out the trip against the Utah Jazz. We also would have said that before the trip started. If you can go 500 on the trip, that would be fantastic. Well, they won the first two, lost yesterday. They were trying to do something yesterday that they had never done before in the history of the Sacramento Kings. All 37 years they've been here, they've never started a season 4-0 on the road. So, I mean, this team was 3-0 and on the road, which is very encouraging. Um, but, again, inside some of those road games, you go, man, they probably should have put Portland away in game one and didn't. Um, they let Phoenix back in late in the game. Certainly the Pelicans game, that thing was looked like it was all but over in the final 90 seconds. And here comes New Orleans storming back. And then yesterday, I thought Dallas was very beatable. Very beatable, and the Kings uh, did not have it. They got off to a terrible start, chasing the game all night long or all afternoon long, down 17 to 3, 20 to 5, and had the lead only by one, but did the job of coming all the way back, just couldn't complete the deal. So um, it all depends on how you look at things. Glass half full. They have been winning games and have been in every game. Every game. And they haven't played that well. They haven't had one full game of. Where you go, wow, they look really good. Yeah, they this is what that. they want to do. Yeah. So, glass. That's, that's the half full. Glass half empty. They've been through this long in the season. And they haven't had that game. They haven't had that game. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at it more, I guess, in that. So, if, if let's, let's go the glass uh, half full. So, the negatives, right? De'Aaron hasn't played well still. Um, why are they in all these close games? Why are they not putting teams away? They haven't won a home game yet. Okay, if these are all the negatives we're piling on, they're three and three. Like yesterday felt to me as poorly as they played and as poorly as they shot, really. That was the main thing. They just shot so terribly. A lot of times that team, any team loses by 25 in a game like that, 18. So they had their chances. Now you didn't take advantage of it. So all things considered, I'm actually pleased with where they are at three and three. And I could, I've heard and seen, believe me, on Twitter that the world is ending for the Kings, which... Again, before the year three and three, you look at the, where the league is. They're kind of right there in the mix. I would say six games is way too early of a season assessment. But I told you before the year, I thought they'd make the playoffs. I thought they'd win 44 games. Um, nothing that I've seen right now changes that. I really would like to see De'Aaron play better. But besides that, I like the rotations. I like who they're playing. I think consistently, with the exception of Harrison Barnes shooting the ball he didn't shoot it well yesterday, but he's been the one that shot the ball well. Most guys collectively aren't. Um, I, I think it's just fine where they are. Well, Doug used to call me the devil's advocate. Yeah. So the pessimistic right. viewpoint would be maybe this is the team where they don't shoot well together and they make terrible mistakes during yeah. the game. and. They can't ever put a team away. Maybe that's just who they are. And if that's it, that sound. But with some more talent than maybe they've had, if that's a five, that's a major jump. Yeah, it's not what people want ultimately. But again, if we could go back, the season's not that old. It's not even two weeks old. 
So two weeks ago, hey, everybody, are you cool with the Kings starting three and three? I think a lot of people would have said yes. Now you have to see the games. You have to see how they play. Now that we've seen the games, you go, yeah. I mean, but if we look at the the three losses, um, tied with Utah, who I do think is the best team in the West, and they play them again tomorrow, um, tied with Utah with four minutes to go, Utah finished strong. Uh, the Warrior game, as I said, when they lost that, I thought that was a gettable game. I didn't really love the way they played the entirety of the game, and the Warriors finished stronger in that game. And then yesterday, I just it wasn't an effort thing. It was not being able to make their shots, which does happen. So when you have a night where you don't shoot the ball well, can you stay in a game? They did. They lost. I just, I don't know. I'm not I'm not as the end of the world is falling on the no. Kings right now at all. I, I, And I'm not trying to say it's all, hey, be cool. It's fine. I'm definitely on the positive side of the yeah. pessimistic view. Right. <laughs> positive side of the pen. Got it. Yeah. So the only worry I would have is, okay, it's fine to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And they've put a lot of pieces together that are new. And the what you want to see going the next couple of weeks because we talk about like eight game right windows where you want to see you want to just see them fix those mistakes yeah and and i think it's shooting you can't always control so if that like if we're always saying gosh their defense is terrible it's there's times where it's not good there was there was actually a play yesterday which was my favorite defensive play they had the whole season it was where uh mitchell just really started to agitate Luca, oh by the way, Luca was upset. My goodness, that's, that's odd for him. That was odd for him. for such a good player. He's a really hard watch. But uh, he, Davion was all over him, and eventually Luca was forced to pass the ball and was agitated. But once he passed the ball, then it ramped up to De'Aaron chest to chest defense. It works to the other side to Halliburton chest to chest defense, and then ultimately a shot clock violation. And you just went, okay. I know that's really difficult to do every possession, but that was fantastic. The bad thing was with Luca that. That three that he hit. The one we just played. The only one he hit all game. And I'm just screaming at the TV when the shot cock's running down and it gets knocked away and it goes past half court. I am yelling, get on him. Right. Because he is dangerous from that range. Because you know he's thinking like, oh, if I'm eight feet behind the three-point line, they're not going to bother me. Right. And sure enough, that's the one he hit. Kings turned it over. Again, before that sequence. So as poorly as the Kings shot. As poorly as it felt like they were playing, they were down three. Buddy had a three for the tie. Missed it. So you come down to the other end. Here's Luca. Loses the ball. Goes to the backcourt. As Chris said, runs it down. Shoots a logo. You know, the Mavericks logo three. Drains it. Six-point lead. Kings turned it over. Dunk. Eight point. You went, wait a minute. And this is all under four minutes to go. So tough time at that point for the Kings. Again, before the road trip, you'd take two and two. They're 2-1 and one right now. I think tomorrow will be really difficult. I'm really like the Utah Jazz. I think they're a be- they are a better team than the Kings. That's not even I think. They are. Does it mean the Kings can't win? If I'm picking now, I think the Kings will lose tomorrow. But you play the game. You go and see. You, you matched up well with them the first time. You ultimately lost that game. But even if that goes that way, how do you play? How do you look? And then you come home for four. So we'll get more into the Kings. I know a lot of people want this most dramatic. I mean, I, I'm just floored. Honestly, and I know uh, I joke about this a lot. Chris and I joke about it a ton off air. What? Social media overreacting? Just the amount of comments I'm seeing about people on De'Aaron Fox is blowing me away. I, I really am shocked by it. As much as I say I can't, shouldn't be surprised, the reaction on social media, I know that's not everybody's voice, but the voices in the comments I see, I am blown away about the 
uh, opinions of De'Aaron Fox right now. He's not playing well, as well as he's capable of, but he is the best player on this team. He's still the franchise piece, and I'm glad he's a king. I just, I'm really surprised. And the tough thing is, is I, I really don't think this is fair for people piling on Fox because if this were to happen, say he just had like his average games, mm-hmm. which is really good, but like not going over that, and the same things were happening. If he has this run in the middle of the season, everyone's like, oh man, he's he's had a tough like couple weeks here. Like, right. he'll get it turned around though. Yeah. But it's because it's at the beginning of the season. It's at the front, and that's all we have to reference. And when people say, well, look, De'Aaron's jumped every year, he's improved every year, I, I for the better of the team, I don't think De'Aaron's going to average more this year than last year. He averaged 25 points a game. I think the Kings would be healthier and better off if he's getting the support from Barnes and Holmes and Halliburton and Buddy and so on and so forth. And De'Aaron's maybe averaging 19 or 20. You got a better, t- there's more depth to the team. There's more balance to the team. That's going to be better. What I would like to see from De'Aaron, if I'm critical of anything from him, is the fourth quarter Fox. That's what you want. You want him to be the closer and not have the whole weight of the team on him. That's that's a better team. And with as well as Barnes has been playing, he doesn't have to be the same Fox as last year. Exactly. But he just has to clean up the mistakes. Right. Hit some free throws. Right. That's it. That is very, very true. So more on the Kings coming up, um, certainly throughout this show. But uh, win over New Orleans, a loss to Dallas. Tomorrow they close out the road trip uh, when they get uh, another look at the Utah Jazz. First things first. And Marwin lifts this one in a shallow left field. Rosario coming in. It'll drop in front of him for a hit. Guriel scores. Bregman scores. It's a two-run single for the pinch hitter Gonzalez. And the Astros lead for the first time today, 7-5. Swing and a miss. Solaire goes down on a high fastball, and that is the ball game. The Astros live to play another day as they defeat the Atlanta Braves by a final of 9-5 to five in Game 5 of the World Series. I don't know if anybody's watching it, but it's actually been a good World Series. Pitching has been good at times. Yesterday, after Atlanta won Game 3 and Game 4 and was back home for Game 5, trying to close out the series and scored four in the first, uh, it just felt like everything was gone, like Houston just can't do it. And before long, it's 4-4. They trail again 5-4. As you heard there, they ultimately win this one. Nine to five, the Astros have stayed alive. They go home. You know, I said before, I don't have the only rooting person. The only person of interest to me in this whole thing has been Dusty Baker. He's not playing, but he's managing the Astros. I said my preference would be for this to go seven. Well, now we're one more Astros win away. I thought the Astros would win in five. That's long gone. Uh, Braves almost did that. But here's Dusty Baker post game yesterday as the team stayed alive. Number one, we don't really worry about what other people say or what they think and what you think of each other on the team that, you know, that really counts. Well, these guys are together. They've been through, you know, many of these battles. And so, um, you know, they don't know how to quit. Yeah, and there they are, staying alive, getting another opportunity. Nine more innings tomorrow, uh, at least. We'll see if it goes more than that. But it's game six for a series that I didn't have a lot of excitement for. It's actually been really pretty good. It just... I don't think the nation has been all on top of the series at all. He, he was lying. Dusty was? Yeah. He they cares? Don't, they don't care about what other people are oh, saying. Oh, they have. They clearly did. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, the players did. Maybe Dusty didn't because he wasn't in that, but he's... He did it at the, with the, uh, when the White Sox were talking. 
Right. Certainly it bothered them then, right, when they were accusing them of some things. Uh, but we still have a series that's going on for Game 6 tomorrow. First things first. First things first. first. One more knee. Clock is under 40 now. He'll take the knee, and that'll be it. Jimmy Garoppolo returns to Chicago and wins a huge football game. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, we talk about overreactions. The way that 49er game was going yesterday, uh, it was he, Jimmy G early on I didn't think was playing very well. I didn't think the 49ers were playing very well. They couldn't get to Justin Fields. And it was starting to feel like you were getting a lot closer into some really big decisions that were going to have to be made by that organization. And you can't react to one game, but this isn't about one game. This was a team that had lost four consecutive games that had huge expectations. Yes, they've had injuries, but you change your draft capital to bring in Trey Lance. Uh, you, you, you stay committed to Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're playing a Bears team that is not that good. It's okay. They're not terrible. They're just okay. And you're losing to them. You're not playing that well, but then you have a, a, a big second half and really specifically a big fourth quarter. It was really key for Jimmy Garoppolo. Debo Samuel continues to save the day for that team. And again, back to how do you look at things? I don't think this is a great football team right now, but a loss yesterday felt like you were getting so much closer to the, okay, it's not even worth playing Jimmy anymore once Trey Lance is healthy because the season's going nowhere. Got to play him. That's how it was starting to feel. Like, let's get the reps in now, and if we believe he's a quarterback of our future, the future's right now. We're going to be a 2-5 and team, losing five in a row, and just slip-sliding away. Instead, it's a win. You get to 3-4. and You probably keep things status quo for now, and as we've said, with seven teams making the playoffs – you feel like uh, either Arizona or both the Rams, and we'll tell you about the Rams more here in their news today, but those teams seem locked. you got the Cowboys to win their division, probably Green Bay to win their division. Tampa looks good. And then after that, who are you competing with? Are the Saints that much better with you than you? They just had a significant quarterback injury. Panthers, Vikings, Falcons, Eagles. These are the Seahawks. Two of those teams are going to make it. And so... Just by getting a win over the Bears, put Chicago back, you know, you have a head-to-head tiebreaker with them. Philly's in this mix with you. You beat them. You get Seattle again. I know they already beat you. But it just felt like a critical, critical win at this point for the 49ers. And we're going to talk more about this coming up at the bottom of the hour. First things first. First things first. All right, we mentioned the Rams. Well, the Rams had a big day today. The NFL trade deadline is coming tomorrow, and the Rams are already good. And they already have star power, and they've added more. Vaughn Miller coming over from the Denver Broncos today for more draft picks. So the Rams are just giving up on the draft. The draft has, for NFL executives, for NFL GMs and decision makers, the draft is gold. And the the Rams have just said, we don't care. We're going to get Goff before mortgaging future draft picks. We're now going to get Stafford to mortgage future draft picks. We're going to get Ramsey and everybody they've added. And now they add Vaughn Miller to a great defense. They won't have a second and third round pick next year. That'll be going to the Broncos. They are going for it. If draft day has taught me nothing, (laughs) it is that the Rams will have the first pick overall for the next draft. Somehow they'll get it. Yeah. 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 Cause you just have to, you just have to be confident. Yeah. They'll do it. They'll do it. Um, I think the other thing that happened too with the week that just happened 
Arizona's loss and Kyler Murray's injury uh, probably also looks at the, you know the Rams just looking at this opportunity like look we're seven and one we have a really good football team let's become a great football team and I don't know Von Miller he's they're already very good Von Miller's just going to be another huge addition to this team the trade deadline is tomorrow football generally doesn't have this super active trade deadline period but based on some injuries now that have happened um some teams leaving the door open we're going to talk about the AFC later I mean that every time we think somebody's good in the AFC they lose we'll explain that coming up but uh, the Rams add to their stack team today by getting Vaughn Miller for two picks next year a second rounder and a third rounder. Watch out for the Rams. First things first. First things first. first. All right, we mentioned injuries. Could that impact the trade deadline? It should because more high-profile injuries happened yesterday. Huge one for the best record in the AFC, Tennessee Titans. Um, Derrick Henry, he is out. He is hurt. Uh, Reports today he's going to go on injury reserve and likely done for the season. Unbelievable unbelievable there's not certain for that but that's the the thought he's definitely going on IR Um, he's the most dynamic rusher in the league he's a huge part of what they do in fact it looks like they're going to bring in Adrian Peterson to add depth to that running back room and just a damaging loss to a very good football team the Tennessee Titans who are six and two also the Saints they were a really nice win yesterday right they took out took care of uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady but they had an injury to Jameis Winston. They already had an injury to Taysom Hill with a concussion. Uh, Jameis was going to be their quarterback this year. Here's Sean Payton after the injury. I think that's one of the challenges, that in, in being the two. Like, it's not just week to week. It might be two, three years. And then are you ready in week five of your third? You know, that's that's pretty challenging. Yeah, talking about the new quarterback debate, like how do you get guys ready uh, to be in there? And Jameis Winston is a seasoned professional, had an opportunity, really uh, transformed his body, was doing a nice job there in New Orleans, making less mistakes, but unfortunately done for the season. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. All right, the last one here is Monday Night Football. Like we said, we're going to have this game coming your way here. Uh, we'll get to the pregame and an hour from now as it's the Giants and the Chiefs. The Giants have just a couple of wins, though if you look at what they've been able to do on their wins, they did beat uh, the Panthers convincingly last week, and then they have that win in New Orleans earlier, 27-21. The Chiefs, everybody's waiting. Everybody's just waiting for this team to get right. And when you get this far into the year – Will they get right? You look back at their season, right? They really could have lost week one to the Browns and maybe should have, but they didn't. Week two, they had a really difficult loss to the Ravens where it was a late game heroics. They lost to the Chargers, beat the Eagles, lost badly to the Bills, have come back and beat uh, Washington. And then last week, they were awful to the Titans. 27-3, to just outplayed. Mahomes got knocked out of the game. He's good to go tonight. I feel like... This is going to be a little bit of their season. I think they're going to be able to outscore teams. Their defense just isn't good. Patrick Mahomes is still dynamic. He's still special. I know he's not having the same kind of year he's had the last couple of years, but they have so many offensive weapons. He's still such a gifted quarterback. They've got a great scheme and great plays that they call. It's They have to outscore you. And I think the Giants, if this game starts to get north of 25 points for the Chiefs I, I just don't see the Giants getting up in that range even against this Chiefs defense but um, we'll see what happens today Chris you were telling me you need some magic and fantasy today 
Yeah, I was going to say the offense would be doing a lot better if they, you know, caught the ball. and Yeah, that helps. Running backs. Uh, Didn't fumble the ball. Don't fumble the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think that would really help them. The thing is, it's not just the dropping the ball, it's your drop leading to an interception, which right. seems to have happened right. like six or seven times a season. So what do you need tonight? Help me help you. That's what Mahomes should be saying in yes. the locker room. Help me help you. What is uh what is this crazy stat combination you need tonight to win your fantasy? I don't know game? specifically, but what I would like to happen is 400 yards from Mahomes. Very possible. Four touchdowns. Very possible. With none of it going to Kelsey. Not as possible if he's doing the first part. Um, but there are other weapons. Can Kelsey get some hey, yards? Kelsey, we just need you to be a decoy decoy tonight. So he can um he can get yards. He just can't get that TD. Yeah, TD is what would hurt me. Okay, all right. Well, you know what Chris is rooting for. I mean, get a lot, get some rushing touchdowns, Mahomes. Okay. Oh, him himself. Yeah. There you go. Keep it yourself. Get those on the ground. So it is the Chiefs. It is the Giants. Again, Chiefs just three and four. Uh, the Giants two and five. All right. So we've just begun here again. We're going to get you to Monday Night Football with that Chiefs and Giants game. We got much more to get into, including more on the Kings. But when we come back, more on that Forty Nine er win. How critical it was for them. Uh, it really was. Felt like a turning point. And I don't know if it's going to, you know catapult them in the right direction but it did at least for a few more days uh, to stop the bleeding because they desperately needed that win we'll talk about that when we come back here on khdk well as we said for the 49ers it did feel like they were uh at that point at that crossroads yesterday they were not playing very well against the Chicago Bears, in my opinion. And then they got themselves in a situation where, is this going to continue to spiral on them? Are they going to lose a fifth consecutive game? They were 2-4 and four coming in. As we mentioned, Chicago, to me, was a winnable game. But the way the game was going, it just, it, it you know, the Niners uh, couldn't stand prosperity. They were losing at the half, down midway through the third quarter, 16-9. to nine, And... It just, nothing was going. Nothing was clicking. And there was a couple of big plays to Debo Samuel, one late in the half, and then the other one certainly um, that looked like a long touchdown that ultimately uh, settled for a short touchdown run after that. But even the missed extra point, you're thinking, man, why is everything a struggle for this football team? 16-15, to 15, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter, but then they had a big fourth quarter. A really big fourth quarter, and like I said earlier in First Things First, it just felt like they had a balanced offensive attack. I think it was a, a well-called game, at least a well-called second half by Kyle Shanahan as far as the game plan goes. And when your offense isn't always going, you're hoping your defense can help you win games. I, I didn't think the defense was was stellar. Now, Fields made some plays with his legs that really, really kind of change some of the things the 49ers were trying to do and and corral him but he did make some plays with his legs but the other guy that started making some plays with his legs was jimmy g first and goal to go on the five yard line and so jimmy gonna pull it and run jimmy garoppolo's got his second touchdown of the game touchdown (laughs) san francisco now jimmy has not spiked the ball oh he chucked it he threw it into the crowd yeah, Jimmy G said, you know, coming home, he had hoped uh, one of his college roommates caught that ball that he chucked into the crowd. Um, it was one of those kind of days, right? You can just tell when a win is relieving. And it's not even as much that they played so well in the second half. It's just a, 
Whew. Needed that. And I'm telling you, it just it had that feel. It had that look to it that, you know, this team was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Last year was a little bit understandable. You'll give them almost a pass in the way they played because of so many injuries. There was no pass coming to this team this year. And there's a fan base that is not all on board with Jimmy G. And there's a fan base that wants it to be Trey Lance. And the only thing that's saving them right now from even more fervor in that is the fact that Trey Lance has been hurt. And I thought Jimmy G was just okay at best at halftime, but had a much better second half, turned the game around, turned his performance around, and got them the much-needed win they needed. And uh, here's a Jimmy G postgame. I think our team just needed a win. I mean, losing four in a row like that, you got to come do something about it. And uh, I think our guys did. You know, we came ready today. There was a good mindset on the sideline. Guys were talking. You could uh, you could feel each other. And when when we're playing like that, that's when we get dangerous. Uh, and you know, I haven't. I don't believe that they're going to continue to play like nothing's shown us. Now I think they're capable of being a better team than they've played. But the second half was what they needed. Right. That that's more of like oh, we just needed a win. And I don't know how dangerous of a team they are. They also need to get healthy or healthier. But you have who's out there, and I think they're more than capable of playing better. What they are finding, though, right with injuries, Raheem Mostert, we were worried from day one when he got hurt against the Lions. Elijah Mitchell can play. Man, he's been a nice addition to this 49er team. And I think they honestly should run him even more. He was – I know he was less than 20 carries, got over 130 yards. He had a touchdown. He was effective. Um, they don't use him really much as a as a receiving running back, or didn't yesterday at least. Garoppolo ran enough to get two touchdowns. Doesn't have any big yardage there. Um, but then Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel is such a critical weapon for them. Had six catches for 171 and just changed the field position multiple times. So many big plays for him, and he is a serious weapon. You'd like to get Kittle back in the mix. Um, even just all the pieces from kicking game and Robbie Gould to some of the defensive players that have been hurt. To me, it was needed. It was critical. The road record is fine. Three and one on the road is nice for the 49ers. They don't have a home win yet, but uh, it was needed. And here's Kyle Shanahan post game. I mean, not everything went perfect. I would have liked us to stop them more on defense. The D got them to punt. Um, and then their last series, they got that um, pick, which iced it. So uh, it was a huge team win. We kept talking about whatever it would take to win is what we had to do. And we didn't care whether it was two to zero or ended like that. And I was just real proud of the guys. He's right. That's what they needed. And that's what we were saying last week. Just find a way to get through Chicago. I'd like to them to play better. And the way the game was going, it was feeling like, man, this is going to be a fifth consecutive loss. Maybe you move on from Jimmy G like this soon. Um, Kyle Shanahan's probably going to be questioned. Lynch, all this, all this still is in play, but it's quieted down when you win. And then, so now, how does it go from here? We told you last week, when you get the Bears, that has to be a win. Check that box. Now, you get Arizona this week. Arizona, who you played well the last time, with Trey Lance as your quarterback, and really not the full playbook because Trey's not all the way up to, to speed on everything. But the defense was great, left them in that game, and the Niners just couldn't do enough offensively to beat Arizona. But now you get them this week, and I know they played Thursday, but we know the report that Kyler Murray got hurt in that game and has an ankle issue. If he's not playing, that makes that a completely different game. Now you're looking at Colt McCoy instead. So, and the week after that, by the way, is the Rams. So you're really looking at a team that for the week 
saved things. The big picture, as we brought up before, the NFC, like, again, we'll go playoff picture right now, right? Nearly halfway through the season. They play 17 weeks. The Niners have played seven games. They're one of the teams that has already had a bye week. Right now, currently as it sits, the Niners are ninth in the NFC. But with seven teams making it, you got Green Bay, Arizona, Dallas, all at seven and one or six and one. Tampa Bay, who lost yesterday, still six and two. Rams, everybody believes is a good team, and they are. They're seven and one. So now you look at spot six and spot seven. Saints, five and two. Panthers, four and four. Are the Panthers that much better than the Niners? Or are the Saints even that much better than the Niners? It might be. They're playing better overall in the seven games, but what happens in the next 10? Vikings, they just had a really bad loss to the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Falcons, Eagles, who you already defeated, Seahawks, Bears, and then even lower than that, Giants, Washington, and uh, the Lions. So it stopped the bleeding. It was necessary. It was an absolutely critical second half, I think, for Jimmy G., for Kyle Shanahan, for the team, for the feel. And now you're getting to the basically the halfway point or very close to it over the next two weeks. And then what turns into the stretch run. So I still think their best football is ahead of them. That's probably contingent on them getting a little bit healthier. But I can't tell you how badly they needed that win. And if they had dropped that one to Chicago... You give Chicago a 4-4 four and four record, a loss in the head-to-head, uh, five straight losses in a row, and I just think it it's not a good flight home. It's maybe some finger-pointing. Just one win changes things, and that's exactly what it did and how desperately the 49ers needed that. All right, when we come back, the AFC. The Raiders didn't play, and they had a good weekend because they watch some carnage go around them. And every time we get high on a team, they disappoint. Right, Cincinnati? Baltimore, you've done it. Everybody, basically, in that top part of the AFC has done it. Who is the best team in the AFC? And we're looking at you, Chargers, Ravens, Bengals, Chiefs, all of you that have disappointed at different times. We'll jump into that conference and some of the other wins of the weekend when we come back here on KHDK. Back here, Sports Club 40 KHDK, Monday Night Football coming up. Chiefs and Giants to wrap up this week of action. Uh, the AFC, Chiefs are part of that and part of the confusion that's going on, I think, in this conference because most people had the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. I, I can't say most, but I think a lot of people did based on Patrick Mahomes, really, and Andy Reid and winning a Super Bowl two years ago, getting back there last year, uh, being a good team the year prior. So, I mean, they're on a three-year run of being the best team really, in the AFC. It just, they were kind of doing what New England had done. They don't always win. Denver would come in there. Another team would come around Baltimore. But the Chiefs are kind of in that class right now where you always think of them as one of the teams to beat. Well, as we mentioned, they came in with a record uh, or come in with a record tonight of three and four. Uh, I think we've gone through different pockets of the year. I told you I picked the Bills to come out of the AFC. They had a a couple of losses now, losing a week ago to the Titans. Um, They had... You know, some other curious week one loss to Pittsburgh, but I still think Buffalo's really, really good. 
Uh, Baltimore, we are all crazy high on what Baltimore was doing. After that loss to the Raiders, they'd won five in a row. It looked like they'd figured it all out. And then they lose last week, a week ago, right, uh, when they lost their game to Cincinnati. Uh, the Chargers had been a team. I know I was talking about a lot, and I thought they had been looking good, and they've had a tough couple of weeks, including yesterday. Matt Jones, big win to the knee. One final time, and the Patriots come back here in Los Angeles, and they win it over the Chargers. 27-24, the final. Yeah, very impressive, I thought, for the Patriots to go into L.A. and to beat the Chargers like that. Uh, let's hear Bill Belichick uh, mumble his way through some things here. I thought we, as a team, showed a lot of resiliency and toughness, and, and um, you know, defensively is good after the first drive. You know, I thought we did a better job keeping Herbert in the pocket in the second half. That definitely helped us. Yeah, it was a really good win. That was impressive. I mean, I think the Patriots, what they did, that was a nice job. But, again, the Chargers, another team in the AFC, kind of I've, – I've been very high on Coach Daly. I liked Herbert. I like what they do. But that's a great win. We mentioned last week, the Ravens, right? How hot they were. Then the Bengals beat them. All right, the Bengals, you're going. Look, this. I thought this was a team making steps, not leaps, but here they are. It's like, well, maybe we need to consider them as one of the better teams in the AFC. Then this happened yesterday. White under center, set to take the snap with 20 seconds to go. He's got it, takes a knee, and that'll do it. A big fist pump from Mike White. And a high five and a hug with the rookie running back, Michael Carter. Fireworks go off here at MetLife Stadium as the clock winds down. The final score, the Jets 34 and the Bengals 31. I mean, go figure. Go figure is right. That's why you play. That's why you love the NFL. You just don't know. Uh, Here's uh, Zach Taylor afterwards. We're not going to ride high after we beat Baltimore. We're not going to ride low after we lose a game like this. Everything that um, we set out to do in training camp um, is still right in front of us. We have a huge divisional game versus our third opponent that we played. We have a chance to regain pull momentum, you know, coming out of this weekend. And so it's just just as we had to get over that last game, we got to get over this game very quickly and move forward because they're still we're still in a great position. I mean, that is such an unbelievable win to me by the Jets. And we talk about win resume. The Jets have two wins. They've beaten the Titans and they've beaten the Bengals. Those are really impressive wins by the Jets. And that is on the heels of giving up 54 points to the Patriots and losing your quarterback, right? They lost Zach Wilson. So they had to go to Mike White, who was off to an incredible start to the game yesterday. That was impressive. And so this AFC is just so topsy-turvy, and I think it makes it fun. I do think the Bills right now are the best team. The Ravens are good. Bengals still a nice team. Pittsburgh got a solid win over Cleveland. I still like the Browns when they're healthy. Uh, Titans get damaging news today that going on the IR will be Derrick Henry and season likely done for him. Colts at 3-5 and five aren't even a bad football team. They really put Tennessee to the test yesterday. And then you look at Chargers four and three, Broncos four and four, and the Chiefs, who everybody loves, at three and four. And then there's the Raiders. The Raiders at five and two. I think just had a great weekend by not playing. They'll get to watch tonight their next opponent, which is the Giants, Sunday, right here on KHTK. Ten o'clock. We'll have it for you. Um, an opportunity to just keep this going. I don't know how good the Raiders even are. I, I think I would bet on other teams. But you have to like their bounce back from what they've had to go through. And new coach. And they've won their last two games. They've got a good, like we say, win resume. Their losses. Um, I think they had the one awful game to the Bears. 
Uh, the loss to the Chargers, they were competitive. They were in the game. But wins against the Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins to open up the year, the Broncos and Eagles. I don't know that there's a – I guess the Ravens would right now look like the best win. But take advantage of that. Next couple weeks for the Raiders, Giants, Chiefs and Sunday Night Football, Bengals, Cowboys. Whew. November after this Giants game, it's a tough month. It's a tough month. And so this division is constantly changing. Or this conference, excuse me. And I would say in the AFC, those were a couple of teams between the Patriots and the Jets that had great wins yesterday. Other great wins, I would go to the NFC. And this one turned out to be a really good day for the Saints. Back to pass, middle of the pocket. Time to throw. That one is picked off. Picked off on the right-hand side. And it's going to be a touchdown, New Orleans. What a play. Pick six. Happy Halloween. (laughs) So New Orleans got a pick six on Brady, and that was the thing. Anybody watching that game? Brady, oh, boy. Saints didn't get a touchdown, only a field goal. They left time. Brady's going to win this game, right? We've seen that movie. This is what's going to happen, and it didn't. The pick six going the other way, flipped the game, ended the game, and a game that Trevor Simeon had to come in and play. Trevor Simeon was cut in camp, right? They were going with Wilson, or excuse me, um, you know, they were doing uh, Winston, excuse me. Yeah, Jameis Winston was going to be their starting quarterback, and they cut Trevor Simeon. He was brought back, and here he is having to play in the game and going against Brady. I mean, not really. You're getting reps in scout team, and you're always kind of wired in uh, to the game plan. You're preparing like you're the starter because if you don't, you're, you're screwed if you do got to play. So being a backup in this league, that's your job. So fortunate to have a really good staff that keeps us all ready and keeps us in it, and it's a fun room, so that helps. Great win for them. Certainly uh, Taysom Hill still injured with a concussion. And then the other team that had a great win, I would say, would be the Cowboys. Rushing the gun from the five. Snap is back, looking left, fade, left side. Cooper! Touchdown! How about that? That's from the Cowboys radio network, and what a difference to be in that division. I, it, by all accounts, if anybody saw the beginning of the game yesterday, it sure looked like Dak Prescott could have gone, went through all his pregame routines, looked healthy, looked healthy enough to play, and Dallas decided at the end not to play and played Cooper Rush. You get the win, which is huge. Uh, you save a week of Dak, and you got a division that's almost over. I mean, they're six and one. The Eagles are next at three and five. You just can't imagine Dallas falling apart that much, barring significant injuries. So it was great for them to roll the dice and still get the reward of a win. They had one of the better wins of the weekend as well, uh, based on that. And then the other one I don't want to forget. It's back to Thursday, the Packers. We weren't here Friday. That was a great win for Green Bay. Remember, you're playing an undefeated team on the road without your top three receivers, and you won. I mean, Green Bay, seven in a row, looks to be um, that team that's kind of what we were saying earlier about the Chiefs, how they were constantly getting into the playoffs. They got to a couple Super Bowls. They won a Super Bowl. They're always in the mix. Seems like Green Bay the last couple of years has always been in the mix, and they're right back there again with that very impressive win. So some teams really stuck out this week having some breakthrough wins that they needed. All right, we'll come back. We have Monday Night Football coming up at the bottom of the hour when we start the next hour. The Kings, they split their weekend with a win and a loss. And should we really be that concerned right now about De'Aaron Fox? We'll talk about that when we come back here on KHDK. Your 
Locks end to end to the rim. Comes up short. Oh my, that's a tough one for the Kings. And leaking out at the other end, going to the rim, hammer jam. Oh my, start warming up the jet, I'm afraid. Still 2.22 to go, but the Kings are now down three possessions. It's 100 to 91. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox missed that opportunity there um, late in the game yesterday. Not his only fourth quarter foible and uh, falling short here lately as the Sacramento Kings did lose to Dallas yesterday. So far, 2-1 and one road trip. It concludes tomorrow in Utah against a very good Utah Jazz team that finally lost the other day, but um, the Jazz are loaded. That's just an experienced team that has their true identity, that's played so many games together, well-coached. I'm just i a big fan of what Utah does, how they play. And if you look at what they've done, they beat the Thunder, the Kings, the Nuggets, the Rockets, lost to the Bulls, and then bounced back and beat the Bucks. So it's a good team. Kings are going into a very difficult situation, a Jazz team that right now is 10th in the league in points per game, uh, rebounds the ball well, and the Kings found themselves when they played them last time Rashawn Holmes got into foul situation, and that really kind of impacted the game. Once he went out, uh, the Kings had to play a situation where Harrison Barnes was playing the five and four guards around him, and uh, the Kings did not finish that game very, very well at all. But I think where the Kings are right now, three and three, as we discussed earlier in the show, I think by and large, uh, I'm okay with that. Some things that need to get better that will help this team win more games uh, one of the areas that a lot of people are talking about is De'Aaron Fox. And a couple of things I want to say about De'Aaron. Now, I, I know people will comment and say, look at what De'Aaron's done. I, and I wanted to look up his numbers just so I had this correct here for this segment. But as a rookie, he averaged 11.5 points. His second year, 17.3. Third year, 21.1. And last year, 25.2. Um, I don't think his scoring will be higher than 25.2. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if De'Aaron can live in that neighborhood of around 21, 22 points with uh, more depth to his game, like a really, really good defensive guard, um, timely shots, assist numbers, playing off the ball more is what what he's doing, but being the closer, a fourth quarter difference maker, stepping on the accelerator, that to me is what's missing. Free throws have continually bothered me. It's uh, been a trouble spot. I want him to be in that high 70s, low 80 range percentage. He's even down now to 61%. He's wildly inconsistent there. His three-pointers haven't been falling, Um, but it's early. It's six games in. Uh, De'Aaron has shown us to be better field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and even free throw percentage for his career. So I don't know why that wouldn't creep up. I think his points would then creep up. I mean, he's averaging 18 and a half, and we're all crushing the guy. Um, I think there's more that he has to offer. I would like him to be a better closer, but I don't think he's far off from getting there. Like I said earlier, I'm just floored at the amount of um, reaction to suggest that he's just not capable or not the one to help this team. I mean, De'Aaron, I think, would tell you that if there's less on him and more shared duties with Holmes and Barnes and then go across the board and – contributions from Mitchell and Halliburton and Tristan Thompson yesterday had his best game as a King Terrence Davis has shot really poorly buddy if those guys can all contribute I think that's what makes you a good team then it's not all on De'Aaron and I know we had the stat in the radio broadcast yesterday when De'Aaron scores 20 or more the stats are very much in favor of the Kings Uh, when he doesn't they're not but I think he can be close to 20 doesn't have to get 30 or 40 and be this superstar he can still be 
a best player, one of the best players on a good team and get plenty of recognition. So I'm not worried about him, but I'm worried about the reaction about him and how it's being asked now all the time to his coach and to his players. Here's Coach Walton yesterday about the team, the loss, but also about De'Aaron. That's what good teams do. They close quarters, and uh, we've been doing a nice job of closing quarters so far uh, tonight in that, that last stretch. Uh, really put us in a in a hole, uh, but we still came back in the fourth again. So again, I give our guys a ton of credit for their continuing uh, continuing to fight and, and scrap and find a way to uh, on an off shooting night to to have a chance to win. Uh, but I, no, I don't have any concern with De'Aaron. Yeah, so De'Aaron was like the rest of the team an off shooting night yesterday's game. The only players that shot above fifty percent, Tristan Thompson and Rashawn Holmes. So right now for the Kings at three and three, you have Rashawn Holmes with career high numbers. Even after having career years prior to this, Harrison Barnes averaging career high numbers and De'Aaron Fox is below his numbers. Buddy Heald still producing at a pretty high clip right now, though he's a little bit off and on in games, in quarters. Uh, Didn't score until the fourth quarter yesterday, then finally started to knock down some threes. I mean, the Kings had a season high field goal, season low, excuse me, field goal percentage, season low three point percentage, season low points and yet they had their opportunities. So what consistently do they need to do better? That's what Coach is talking about. Um, find other ways to win. Defend better. Don't get off to a 20-5 to deficit right out of the shoot. 17-3. to I mean, that was crazy beginning to the game. Uh, let's hear Rashawn Holmes, who is honestly having a great beginning to the season. He's talking about Fox. Uh, you know, it's, it's early, early in the season. You know, De'Aaron's a great, great player, one of the best players in the NBA, and, you know, when the season first starts, you know, it's a lot of attention on him. You know, a lot of defense is key towards him. And, you know, it could take a moment to just get your rhythm. You know, he's out there playing hard for us every night. And, you know, some shots that he normally makes just aren't going right now. And, you know, that happens throughout the course of the season. As his teammates, we got his back. And we know nobody's as hard on him as he's going to be on himself. So, you know, he'll get himself right. Yeah, I agree. I think he will. I think you have to let the season play out. This is the beginning part. So we see the first six games. And De'Aaron, 18.5 points per game. That's down. Steals are the same. Assists are down by about one, a little less than one, 6.3 assists per game. Rebounds are up. Free throw percentage is down. Uh, Three-point percentage is way down. 17% is brutal. I mean, that's awful. Now, he's not taking as many, which is good. But um, lately, I mean, still taking almost six a game. So he's got to drop that down, especially if he's going to continue to shoot 17%. And then his overall field goal percentage is down, too. The one thing I hate seeing is people saying, like, oh, just trade Fox. Yeah, come on. (laughs) What what team would say no to De'Aaron Fox? Right. Everybody would be interested. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, as as should the Kings. And I think they are. I mean, I don't, you know, they can see the reaction and and hear the reaction. But um, I think that's where you go to a player's. You know, if this is the first year or second year, but he's given the Kings four really good seasons. And what are we going to believe that he's going to continue to play like this or that he'll play better? History suggests and statistics suggest he'll play better. I think he will. Um, I'm not too concerned yet. I think you have to pay attention to all this stuff and just can't say, oh, it either is for sure going to come back. But it's never been a question of work ethic, um, desire, talent. Um, sometimes shots don't go as readily as other times. And, you know, to De'Aaron's situation, again, I think while Harrison Barnes is cooking and Holmes is cooking and they're still, you know, the team's not also 0-6 or 1-5. They are 3-3. And, three and, three. and 
I think for the betterment of the team going forward, it would help De'Aaron if they continue to play like this the rest of the players and some of them even continue to play better and get more out of the other players because then there's less of a workload on him and it means you have a better team overall. And then maybe there's certain nights where you go, wow, they, they, they won because De'Aaron was special. That hasn't happened yet, but he has that ability. He did that over the last couple of years and he can still carry this team in different pockets of the schedule. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm not too worried about him specifically in this moment, but you also got to see what's next for this team. We mentioned not only playing Utah tomorrow, but if you look at the week ahead for the Sacramento Kings, then you finally get to come home again. And that's another area with De'Aaron, without De'Aaron, whoever's playing well, they got to, they got to turn golden one center into a place that becomes very, very difficult for other teams to play. And I don't think it's become that. I mean, the team hasn't been a winning team for years. But even when the Kings weren't a great team before at Arco, nobody – well, people might have looked forward to come into the arena because of the atmosphere, but it was a difficult place to play, even when the Kings were winning you know, 20 games. Now, obviously, when they were a 50-60 and 60 win team, they were beating everybody everywhere, but mainly at Arco, right? They were just dominant there. So they have two home losses already – out of two tries they don't have a home win yet but after this road game tomorrow against utah they come home for new orleans charlotte indiana and phoenix so i think i understand what you're saying what's that kings need to move back to arco that's exactly what i'm saying got it (laughs) um no they need to make it like arco where it was just really really difficult for teams to play you win more games at home than you would lose and get behind the the crowd's great fans are into it and you want the team to give you every reason to be into it. I think there's elements to like. I think fans are getting behind Davion Mitchell. I still think fans will get behind, you know, when Buddy and Terrence Davis get hot, the effort that Len and Tristan Thompson give and Harkless, guys like that, Barnes. I mean, as great as it was to see him hit the game winner against Phoenix and last year's game winner at home against Cleveland, fans weren't there. I just really wish they would have had that opportunity to go crazy on a moment like that. But I think if you look at the week ahead, just the week, it would be Utah tomorrow, New Orleans, Charlotte, Indiana. Um, I like where they are right now position-wise. I know they can play better. That's what's also encouraging. And like we said earlier, through six games, they're 3-3 three and three right now in the standings. There's Utah above them, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Timberwolves, and the Lakers. We're just in its infancy. Seeing Dallas, I'm not that impressed by them, especially without Porzingis. I don't think Minnesota will stay up there as the year goes on. I believe in Utah. I think the Warriors will be good. I think Denver's good. All right, then then there's the rest of the mix. Like, how's it going to shake out? A lot of people are like, oh, the Clippers will be great. And they might be. Right now, they're one and four. Um, the Spurs are a little bit quirky. They've got a couple of good wins. They're two and four. Suns, two and three. I mean, it's the league has a lot of parity. And the Kings are in that. They are in that mix of teams that are just kind of right there, right around 500, and that's where the Kings sit through six games at 3-3. Three and three. All right, when we come back, we still have the crossover. We still have to get you ready for the Chiefs and the Giants. And the news we didn't touch on at the end of last week because we were gone on Friday, man, how did the A's let Bob Melvin get away? What a uh, colossal miscue that was. We'll talk more about that and uh, the crossover next here on KHDK.
back here on Sports 1140 KHK. Jason Ross here with you. Bottom of the hour, we will get you to Monday Night Football, Chiefs and Giants coming your way in a moment. We were talking some NBA and the Kings in our last segment. Uh, Chris, we had a development again over the weekend, right? The linear championship has, has changed places yet again. Has it? I think it has. We need to verify. Let me go to the machine and see. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this contest I don't even know what that is. You know that's from? I'm going to play it again. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this contest and new... I found the gold! No, I can't. I saw the what? I found the gold. I found the gold. Oh. City Slickers 2? City Slickers 2, the search for Curly's gold. And why the Denver Nuggets? There you go. Okay, we got it. So the Denver Nuggets are the linear champs after beating, what was it, the Jazz? So if we go back from the beginning, yes, Bucks started because yep. they were the champions. Yep. They were beaten by the Heat the next game. Okay. Then the Pacers beat the Heat two okay. days later. Two days later, the Bucks won it back against Ooh. the Pacers. Okay. Two days later, the Bucks lost to the Timberwolves. Okay. Timberwolves are new linear champions. And then two days later, they lost to the Nuggets. So the Nuggets have it right now, and tonight they play the Grizzlies, and then they play the Grizzlies again. Yeah. So maybe the Grizzlies get it. And then lose it back. And then lose it back to Denver. My goodness. They would be the second two-time <laughs> linear champions. So the Kings haven't played for it, haven't had a chance yet, but it's in the West for now. Um, okay. I thought the quickest path would have been for Milwaukee to hang on to it, and then the the Jazz to beat them, which the Jazz just did, but uh, Jazz never had it. All right, so we'll, we'll keep we will keep track of that for sure. Uh, as we signed off on Thursday, right when we finished the show, this is how it went. I walk in the other room, and Chris said, "Oh, we just missed breaking news." And I said, "What happened?" He said, "Well, uh, the Padres got a new manager, and they got their guy from the Bay Area." And I went, "Boach." You thought it was Boach. I thought it was Boach. You you tricked me on that. I'm like, they got Boach? And you, you said, nope. And then I'm like, Bay Area? Who? And you said, Bob Melvin. And I said, get out of here. thought this was a classic There's Chris Rod rib. I'm like, that's not true. I don't even believe you. Then you showed me the tweet. And I went, oh, my goodness. How did this happen? Well, it was it, one of those stories when you see the tweet, you're like, okay, this is a fake account. Yeah. So you have to verify it with someone else. You have to go through a couple of their tweets and stuff, see who they are. And the A's let or allowed permission for Bob Melvin to interview with the Padres. Well, Bob Melvin's a terrific person, a great manager, and is probably fed up, I guess, one with how the A's run things. Now, there's a charm to it, but there's also a frustration to it. And by all accounts, Steve Berman, uh, who we've had on this show many times, Bay Area sports guy, was on with... Carmichael, Dave, and Jay this morning and basically said he thinks this is just the beginning. I mean, just the beginning. Whether Olsen and Chapman stick around, he could see that being swapped out and changed. And, man, you lose Bob Melvin, it just feels like a huge culture shift. And he's a great addition to the Padres as long as those young, talented guys allow him and allow him to do his thing and let him manage that team. And I just think this is... As many times as the A's have moved on from players too early, 
this is I just Bob Melvin helped that organization a lot. They had one of the better managers in baseball. Certainly not perfect. No one is. But I think they were on the right side of more moves with Bob Melvin than the other way around. And, uh, you know, good luck to the next manager. They've always, I think, for the better part of 20 years, maybe even longer, have had a great clubhouse. they got to keep that same vibe, that underdog mentality. And I just hope they don't lose some of their young, talented players like Olsen and Chapman because of just the way the management operates things there. But it certainly could be a strong possibility of happening. All right, we're going to get to Monday Night Football here in a moment. Let's get the crossover from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Crossover question for Jason Ross. Jason, you've been calling Sac State football games for a long, long time. The Hornets are doing uh, quite nicely this year. My question for you is this. Do you ever not get a jolt of excitement whenever a Hornets player does something in the NFL, no matter how big or small? Because I got to think you do, but I am curious if it ever just rolls over. No, totally. DeAndre Carter yesterday uh, for former Sacramento State Hornets, someone who got to know pretty well, has bounced around the NFL, is still just grinding and grinding, had a first career touchdown a few weeks ago as a kick return for the Washington football team, and yesterday caught a touchdown in the end zone against the uh, against the Broncos. And Todd Davis, who was a former Hornet who played for the Broncos, just retired this year. He was actually at Sac State's game last week, but he's a Super Bowl champ. He was showing off his ring. Good to talk to him. Yeah, anybody that's kind of come from here that's done well, or whether or not they were originally from Sacramento but played for Sacramento State, absolutely you get a jolt for that. Who's your favorite former Sac State football player i don't know if i have a favorite like but. who's the one just like oh man i can't believe that they're they've done that um you know most of their best statistics have happened to guys like in the canadian football league that have moved on like and had legendary like warren moon had a career like that but then went, went to the nfl and still had a second great career uh ricky ray was an incredible quarterback at sac state uh, right when i started calling games and then had like a 16 year career where he was like one of the all-time great quarterbacks ever and won a couple of Grey Cups and all that, but we just don't follow the CFL as much. Hmm. I would say my favorite is Ryan Coogler. Coogs. Well, he's got uh, he's famous for for other endeavors. My favorite, Sac State football. That's one of the weird things. I don't think I think it's something I just read. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, this can't be the same guy, Ryan Coogler. <laughs> Your guy Coogs. Coogs. I mean, up there is the most famous, right? I mean, you're a movie icon you know just making legendary movies two of like my favorite movies of all time like whenever it comes on have to watch creed and black panther creed 2 you didn't direct it okay but creed 2 is not as good to you i see i finally saw creed i didn't see creed i love creed 2 you do but it's not as it's one of those things of just like if you're if you're comparing the two creed he should have been at least nominated for director of the year yeah and it had one of the greatest boxing scenes i have ever witnessed i remember seeing it in the theater and i was absolutely blown away and it wasn't the first fight it wasn't the last fight it was the second fight and it's just this point of view of the camera going around both fighters yeah and you hear both corners and you can hear them move 
with both guys. It was amazing, and yeah. I don't think he got nearly as enough credit for it. Well, especially when movies go on that far, and it's—I mean, it's not necessarily—it's not a sequel, but it's still tied to the Rocky movies it's in the Rocky it, universe. Yeah, but it just—it kept it moving forward in, in a good way. Like it's just like, okay, Creed. Yeah, okay, but no, it was great. And I will say, I said that Creed was my favorite. I would say Creed Two has my favorite Rocky montage of all time. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I haven't seen that one yet. I guess I got to check that out. Got to check that out. But Cougs, what a legendary uh, post-Sac State career. All right, that's it for us today. We're back tomorrow. Uh, again, Kings basketball tomorrow, the Kings and the Jazz. But Monday Night Football is coming your way next. It's the Chiefs and the Giants right here on Sports 1140 KH2K. See ya!